Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome back to Wine Times, brought to you in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club. With me, comedian and wine novice, Susie Ruffle. And me, Will Lyons, the Sunday Times wine columnist and vice president of the Sunday Times Wine Club. Throughout this series, we'll be joined by a handful of your favourite celebrities for great wine and great conversation. As always, I'll be sharing my expert wisdom on all things great related, from the history of vineyards across the globe to the science behind your favourite wines. And I'll take on my favourite role as apprentice of wine and voice of the people as I inquisitively ask the questions that we're all thinking, like, why do we pair wine and cheese? Well, Susie, traditionally you would have red wine and cheese, but... Will, no, you've got to save it for the podcast. This man will never learn. We're here in Borough High Street's oldest and most marvellous 17th century pub, the George Inn. So here's to good wine and good times. Discussing and decanting with Susie and myself today is Michelin star chef Angela Hartnett. Hey! <laughs> you will, of course, know Angela as one of Britain's top chefs, a protege of Gordon Ramsay. Angela opened world class restaurants across the globe and received countless accolades for her beautiful cooking, including an OBE, which she received for her superb services to the hospitality industry. As well as that, Angela has published multiple cookbooks, featured on many of our favourite cooking TV shows like MasterChef or BBC One's Best Home Cook. And she has a fantastic food focused podcast called Dish, where she shares her tips and tricks for making cooking deliciously easy. It's safe to say that Angela has an outstanding palate for world-renowned food, but what will she make of Will's wine choices today? Hello, Angela. Oh. Hello, guys. How are you both? Very well, and very great well. to see you again, because we I'm... saw each other at Dartmouth Food Festival. We did. We had a very um, fun night eating lots oh. of crab. Very, very late nice. at night, which was wonderful. With all the Venetians. A little with the Venetians, yeah. These it's a great festival down in the southwest, and we have Gatto Nero, the guys in Venice. So when you're next in Venice, Susie, oh yes, yeah. of course, gotta go. I'm um, there nonstop, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it is beautiful, and and she's got to be in her seventies. Yes. He's got to be, and they cook. They do about 130 covers. I mean, yeah, Mitch yeah. really works so much. It is. It's quite. It's quite <laughs> but an it's great. Festival, but it was fun. What a fun night. Very good, yeah. And I'm very excited to meet you because I've been to Murano a number of times oh. and it is, oh, it's my favourite restaurant. If my wife and I want to treat ourselves and we're like, oh. let's do something nice. When we got engaged, actually, the day we got engaged, we went oh, to Murano. Oh, fabulous. Um, and we always have such a brilliant time. So I was very excited to meet you today. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Very excited. Well. Will, should we start? We Let's start with the booze. Come on, come on. So new year. Yep. New me. New year, new, new me. New still drinking. treating you. Ooh. Very nice. As you can see, Bollinger. Very nice. Yes, Bollinger Rosé. Very now, nice. let me just um, open this up. What would 
be your go-to to to drink if you were if you were out? Do you have? Um, I'm not a cocktail person. I've got to be honest. I do like a classic Negroni, sure. and if I feel like something like a gin, but generally wine. I have mm. to say, I'd, I'd go for, you know, start with white, and then maybe, especially if I'm eating, I'd probably veer towards red. But mm. generally, it is bu- what we're having today. You know, bubbles, white wine, and red wine. I'm just not into spirits, really. Yeah, I'm the same. And do you? Are you quite picky about sort of pairing food and wine? I, I'm not, if I'm honest. I think it's wonderful when restaurants do it. And Ali, who's our fantastic sort of head sommelier mm-hmm. in wine, but she does it for guests and if people want it. But for me, it's more about enjoying everything. Mm. You know, I don't feel, and if I'm absolutely honest, I don't know if my palate, my palate for food is good, but I don't know if my palate is that good to to eat food and then taste it with wine and go, yes, that's a perfect match. Yes. I don't know. I, th- I mean, maybe I sit there going, oh, yeah, it's lovely, lovely. But yeah, but I, I really that... am convincing myself or someone else. I think that's a really important point. Yeah. If you have a great wine, yeah. you actually want just very simple food. Yes. That's where I think food and wine matching at the Fat Duck was always a bit of a challenge for me yeah. a few times because there's so much going on with the dish. Mm. And then you can't really concentrate on the wines. So yeah. I always think a, a sort of good catch-all food, if it's a fine wine, is lamb. Yeah. Because it's got that fatty texture. Right, of course. And it's delicious, obviously, yeah. if it's cooked well. And it lets the wine shine, because that's yeah. what you want to do. You want a mm. dish that's going to let the wine sing. And... But what about if you had like a really incredible dish? What would you say would be the wine to go to that would be like, oh, yeah, this, this fits lots of yeah, this so... fits lots of categories and it won't overpower they're the so flavours of the food. With white wine, the most gastronomic, catch-all, great wine to serve with food would be a Riesling. Because oh. it has refreshing acidity, but also wow, it's that complex. Wow, me. I would not, not have thought you Yeah, and it's got that. juicy... We, 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 we had a trim back our sass last night. And it's like biting into sort of red apples. Yeah. But also it's got lots of aromatic complexities. What do I mean by that? It means it has lots of different smells. Yeah. All sort of, you know, and, jostling for your attention. And because, but it's that acidity that cuts through. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, I was going yeah, to say, yeah. just because it's got lots of the different smells, does that mean that it will go with lots of different things as well? So it won't be too... It's not like, oh, you must have it with chicken. Yeah. Like, no, could you still can, have it with a red meat? Yes, because I think it has enough sort of vitality in the texture... That, that, that it can match with lots of different dishes, I think. Mm. It's a really useful gastronomic. And then for red, well, we are going to have a Chianti Classico, but I quite like red Bordeaux right. because, I mean, that's sumptuous. Mm. Yeah. And it has, you know, that sort of, on a good level, sort of notes of blackcurrant, but then you've got a little bit of cedar and tobacco. But also, at the end, it's texturally quite refreshing as well. I, it leaves you hankering for another glass. Uh, yeah, yeah. Am I wrong in thinking that a Pinot Noir goes with everything. Yeah, well, Pinot Noir, because it's high acidity. Mm-hmm. In this oh, well, I'm not growing it, I'm skin. just drinking it. You'll be pleased to hear. There's not a vineyard well, that I'm hiding. It does go with a lot of things, but it's it's not to everyone's taste. For They're example, wrong. I showed a Pinot Noir at tasting last night, and someone said, I just don't like Pinot Noir. I said, well, this is one of the great yeah. Pinots of the Southern Hemisphere. Did you tell them to leave? No, no. I said, look, you're not <laughs> welcome here. Just said, I'll drink it. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. like everything. You don't have to like everything. But one thing I did, just because we've got champagne here, yeah. is I went to a... Champagne trip in France, and um, and they at the end of the meal gave us champagne with parmesan, which yes. I've never had, and actually it's, it really works incredibly well. No, it does. Yeah. So, sorry, we are we are both giggling. <laughs> really? Why? 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 Constantly says whenever we have champagne, he says. This is lovely. And don't you think if you just had a little bit of parmesan? Oh, do you? Just, <laughs> just, like, no, you don't Honest, need a lot. Just a little bit of parmesan, honestly, maybe a crisp. Susie, you didn't set me up. If I'd known, I would have brought some in my bag. 
And you know what it is? It's an umami synergy because yeah. Parmesan has umami, the fifth sense. I think it was discovered by Japanese professor in 1908 and champagne has that. So you get that sort of brioche richness yeah. on the palate. Yeah. Anyway, let's have right, a look at this. Taste. So we are in the depths of winter. Beautiful I always think colour. January. I know the shortest days is December, but I always think it's the shortest days around now, actually. Mm. And, um, you need I, something to pick you up in January yeah, as well. Yeah. I just think rosé. Champagne is actually quite good for the winter because it has a little bit more vinosity, it's a little bit more power. This is a Bollinger. Yeah. So one of the last sort of uh, independent champagne houses, made famous by the great Lily Bollinger. Yeah. Uh, who took over in the 40s. In 1953, she was asked by a reporter from the Daily Express, when do you drink this champagne? And she said, I drink it when I'm happy and I drink it when I'm sad. <laughs> Sometimes I drink it when I'm alone. When I have company, I consider it obligatory. I trifle with it if I'm not hungry and drink it when I am. Otherwise, I never touch it, <laughs> unless I'm thirsty. <laughs> Pinot Noir dominated. Yeah. And they get the blush colour. It's a lovely sort of, the, obviously the listeners can't see this, almost copper amber colour. Mm. It's beautiful. And they put a little bit of red wine in it to give it that blush. It's got that sort of sherry, dark yes. sherry colour to it. You wouldn't think that was, apart from the bubbles, that it could be champagne. Is that a killer on the uh, money or is that affordable? Yes, I mean, it's, it's quite, well, I mean, Bollinger It's a big name, is, isn't it? Yeah. So the, I think the rosé, you're looking sort of north of £40 yeah. a bottle. It's not too but bad. Like I, I would say, have thought it would have been more, no, actually. But in, well, in, in, in this country... Because we're so competitive, we always have. You, you, you don't have to buy the Grand Marks, which yeah. are the famous names, mm -hmm. Bollinger, Paul Roger, Tashinger. Yeah. You'll always find them on offer mm. somewhere. Yeah. So you're a, bit, you're a bit silly if you're playing full price, really. Yeah. There used to be a wonderful shop in Champagne run by a little old lady who would sell at very, very competitive prices. And all the Brits would go down. I don't know how she does it. I don't yeah. know how she gets these prices. Because she's been buying for years and years. So she and, um, and, yeah. and, and, and it was like a book that you would get when you, you get you go in and ask for this sort of laminated book. Yeah. The Book of Dreams. <laughs> um, but sadly, she's passed away and it's not there anymore. Oh. But also, I know we're living through the age of Prosecco and Cremant and, and an English sparkling wine. But sometimes it's nice just to get a very smart champagne, isn't mm. it? Especially to kick off the new year, which hopefully will be a, a good year. And it's it's a great dryness, I think. Yeah, on the palette. Sort of I really like that. Yeah, toasty brie, and I think that's what Bollinger yeah. has—that sort of richness. And it was Madame Lily Bollinger who sort of they they age it in oak and gives it a bit more complexity. So it's different to English sparkling yeah. wine. If you if you this is this has quite a lot. What, what I would say, a rich texture. Yeah, big mouth. How long would they have to age it for if they're aging it in oak? I think it's between two or three years. But what they do at Bollinger is they leave some of their reserve wine back uh -huh. in oak because they've, um, they can afford to do it, essentially. Yeah. And then that, that gives it that richness. And then they can blend it in. So all champagne is a blend of different years. And, 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 and So you wouldn't get a champagne that's just one year? No, well, you can do that. That would be called a, um, a vintage, vintage champagne. Vintage, yeah. But, 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 that, but that's the main difference between English wine and champagne. Yeah. In the English wine, you're basically, you have a wine from a particular vineyard from a particular year mm -hmm. because we don't have the reserves yet, although yes. we are getting there. Whereas champagne, it can be a blend of 40 different vineyards from mm. 40 different villages across champagne and three different grape varieties mm. right. and also different years as well. And as I said on this podcast before, the blending part is actually really sophisticated. I mean, it's a bit like cooking, isn't it? Yeah. So you're, you're getting all these little samples and you're saying we need a bit more of this and a bit more of that. Although this is a, a straight Pinot Noir 
dominated blend. Yeah. It's very nice. But, yeah, it is delicious, isn't it? And it's, but I find that the blending quite fascinating, that it is yeah. around someone's palate, just literally I know. tweaking it. And then can you imagine if someone gets it wrong? <laughs> anyway, I won't imagine And that. there's formal training, but yeah. I mean, I think someone was asking me recently, is there like a computer that you can, you know, you can oh, test Oh, no, they're not going to be doing against. it with AI now, are we? No. They're not going to take wine from us, thing. are they, the robots? No, it's always going to be analogue. It's, it's, bit, be. it's a bit like kitchens. I was down in Bordeaux recently, and some of the cellars there now, the wineries, yeah. are like Formula One. Sure. It's so specific. And you do you do sort of think, oh, Greg, wasn't it? You know, I do sort of hanker back to the days when wine was made on instinct. Yeah. A bit like great mm, cooking. Yeah. Now it's all so formulated. And yeah. That's why it's lovely when you go to the old, like, um, Spanish wine producer. Yeah. Family, lady. It's, um, it was a father and now it's the daughter. Torres. Yes. Yeah. And that was impressive. Well, you still <laughs> go down into the old cellar and you have the mustiness and the thing, you yeah. know, and that to I me, it, like it evokes all of what wine should be about, isn't totally it? Totally agree. You know? And totally I love the agree. fact, you'll, you'll appreciate this, Susie. We went for a, <laughs> a wonderful dinner there with her, her husband and she is obviously her family. And I asked something of her husband. He goes, oh, you'll have to ask my wife. And she looks at me, she goes, yes, Angela, some things you never tell your husband. <laughs> and I thought that was brilliant. She something stay in the family forever, even if he's married. And I thought, oh, that's the wine. Yeah, but it's a fat, you know, and it's fabulous. Yeah. You like... sort of want a, 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 like a bottle of red to come from like a dusty old yes. cellar, yes, don't you? Do. you? You want it to. You yeah. do. I think wine can be many things. It can be science to a lot of people. Yeah. It can be, I mean, I love the agricultural part of it. Mm. Uh, it can be economics, if you're talking about fine wine and investing it can be be food and wine it can be gustatory but actually at the end of the day i think it's romance yes and it's the whole world of wine it's a good part of life Mm, yeah and painting that romantic picture and especially a bottle of champagne yeah Yeah. Yeah. right should we uh where are we going to next will so we're staying in france good now this wine i thought would be quite fun for angela because i think it's a good what we call a versatile food wine we're in the foothills of the Pyrenees. Lovely. Southwest France, right at the bottom, sort of on the Spanish border. And this is a Jurassic, which is a region known for its sweet white wine mm. and also white wine. But it's, it's a region that you would never normally come across. Yeah. I suppose if you're a great sommelier, you know, sort of cafe wine, they, they, they might point you in the direction of this. And this is run by, this estate is run by two 70-year-old sisters, Anne-Marie and Christine. I like it It was founded by Tony Mm. Leithwaite. Well, he discovered the wine and um, uh, brought it to England. But it has richness and weight, doesn't it? Have a look at it. Yeah. It looks buttery, doesn't it? Mm. And would you, you'd serve it that cold? Because I always have arguments with sommeliers and, well, not arguments, obviously, but I like my white wine very cold. Yeah. And I have been known to put the odd ice cube in it. Yes. I say it as a as wine people don't all let, over switch off. Yeah. Sorry don't let about him. that. Don't let me hear. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it is cold. But I like that. Yeah. Well, this is very cold. Yes. Because if you chill it down, you are muting some of the flavours. Yes, that's the point. But isn't it? Yeah. The, the 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 flip side is you're getting this wonderful, refreshing yes. character. You know that it, it's sort of injecting vitality in. And I suppose a calling card of this particular Appalachian is its refreshing acidity. And that is accentuated if it's cold. I suppose it, it, because we put it in an ice bucket, this is about five degrees. I think you probably want it a little bit warmer. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's horses for courses. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. your own palate, isn't it? It's what yeah. you expect or want. Right? Um, yeah. And if it's too cold, you can always warm it up just yeah. by cupping it like mm. this. No, I um, don't mind it. I like it. Yeah. Like 
It was so that good. is delicious. And where can you get that? You well, can't this is buy that. This is at the Sunday Times Wine Club. Uh, but the Appalachian is called Jurassant. You do see a few around yeah. in, on the British High Street. And they all have this mineral freshness, but also that sort of rich texture. Yeah. It's delicious. What I would say the big problem is, it wouldn't happen in one of your restaurants, but if you're at a restaurant and you get served the red wine too warm, yeah. and that used to be a big problem, but now with the advent of wine fridges, yeah. a lot of, you know, because I think that red wine, you want to serve it at what we call cellar temperature. I know no one has a cellar anymore. No one lives in houses. We all live in flats, <laughs> don't we? By which I mean cool to touch on the outside. So the red wine is just slightly cool to touch. And that, I think, just really imparts the sort of fruitiness mm. and the freshness of it. I rested my red wine on the radiator last night before yeah. I opened the bottle. <laughs> <'Cause that's, laughs> really? Yeah, because it was too cold. Yeah. It was cold. I was yeah. like, oh, no, I'm not drinking it like that. Yeah. Do you know what style of wine it was? Uh, I said red. It was red. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think I love it. it. Susie's like me. It's it was, um, oh, what's that word? Delicious. That's the word. <laughs> the a question I'd love to ask you, Andrew, is what do you find like when you're cooking for yourself at home yeah do you tend to do do you tend to like really pair it back and just have something quite sort oh, of gosh, yeah I mean, easy to be honest I like simple food just generally even right. when I go out to eat my favorite restaurants aren't the gastronomic three stars or anything like that my favorite restaurants are ones like St John you know Noble mm-hmm. Rot just simple easy food nothing not easy food delicious yeah yeah but not feeling challenged because I think we we did a discussion actually recently with Rick Stein and Robin Hudson and stuff, and everyone was asking about restaurants. And I said, these days, when I probably first started cooking, it was all about what was on the plate. And now it's not. People can have good food everywhere. Yeah, right. But it's about great service. It's about an affordable wine list, you know. And that's one thing I'm always on at, you know, Ali and everyone has said, that's great, we've got the big hitters. But you've also got to go on. And I mean this in, with love, Susie. For yes. someone like you who admits that you're yeah, not yeah, into, yeah, exactly. can come in and recognise something. Yes, absolutely. It's not going to kill your pocket. Yes. And you can have a great bottle of wine. And so I think yeah. you've got to look at everything now. So I don't know, I was rambling on about a question. Yes, I eat simple food at home. No, but no, it's no, but about it's... how restaurants should be now. It shouldn't just be about one thing. It's got to be about every element it's the experience. of the experience. Of course it is, yeah. How did you get into cooking? Through, uh, I always liked it. I was good as a kid. It sounds ridiculous, good as a kid. Um, but I cooked with my grandmother and my mum and I always fancied the idea of opening a little restaurant never thought just a little restaurant never in thought, Mayfair well you know <laughs> that cooking would ever become like it's become I mean yeah. who would have thought that you know that suddenly chefs are like these rock stars on TV and, it is the new rock and roll isn't it it is I mean my brother <laughs> still mocks and he makes me laugh and he goes I mean a chef time time person of the year ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> It's fairy cakes, wasn't that, you know? And there is an element because actually everyone needs to cook to a degree because you have to feed yourself, you have to nourish yourself. So I think what is a bit mad at the moment is we've got a a wonderful array of huge amount of restaurants, huge amount. What's great about this country, we have an array from, you know, the best local Nigerian restaurant to the fanciest French. You know, we're we're worldwide, but we're not cooking in schools. We're not teaching children how to cook. The food in hospitals is all important. You know, we've really got it so wrong in so many ways. And and we just need to 
I'm not even going to go government. That's not to press myself in January. But, you know, whoever does come in next really needs to look at that cycle. You know, they sit there and say, don't put sweets by the counter for kids. But then feed the elderly properly in a hospital. You know, what do you want here? And actually, you've got to put money behind it. It's our awful thing. You know, we've got to pay our farmers properly. You know, anyway, I won't stand. I'm about to get on the box now. (laughs) But it is, you know, we're a bit sort of all over the shop, I think, in that respect. We need to bring it home. Also, going back to dining, I've been Mm. reading a few articles recently about the end of the tasting menu. Mm. And do you think we are coming towards that that sort of particular genre is slowly... I I think there's a bit of both, because there's certain restaurants like Insha, which is down in Wales, which I think uh, Gareth has a... I said 12 courses, 15, everyone has the same menu, nothing. It's a whole experience. There's other places that have got rid of it. You know, what I think everyone has done post-COVID is they've looked at what they can do with the number of team they've got in the hours in a way. I mean, we've always had, as you'll know, a menu that we sort of do three fish, three meat, Mm -hmm. three vegetarian, three pastas, three stars, and people write their own menu. Yeah. Because yeah. what happens, we used to have this manager, Odessa, and she would come in and she'd never say no to a customer. So someone would go, oh, you know, can I have the tasting menu? Can, but can I swap the lamb with the beef? And every time I said, you know what, Odessa, let's forget the tasting menu. Just everyone choose their own. So some nights at Murano, they can be doing like 100 dishes because you'll get a table going, well, actually, I'm going to have five courses. And, and, and we've we worked and we get it and it works. So um, and then some people just have a couple of courses, you yeah. know. So it's very flexible. Mm. I always find with tasting menus, because I love wine so much, yeah. you sometimes get too many glasses of wine. Yeah, sure. And I feel that that's something that could, that, that could be sort of reined in. A little Actually, I think you're right. Yeah. Because some of the ones, we started doing these things at Limewood down in the New Forest. And we, we had this cookery school before COVID. And then since then, we've sort of... And what we do now, a couple of times a month, Luke and I cook for 10 guests. And you either book it for the whole night for you and we'll cook in front of you. And Dan, who's the sommelier, matches the wine. But what I've loved about exactly you've said, we'll do five courses maybe. So it's not a massive menu. But maybe the first and second course match together the same wine. exactly. Mm. So I also think the other thing that annoys me about tasting menus is the interruption all the time. Yeah. Yes. Because you're out having fun. Yeah, yeah. And then every 30 seconds, someone's telling you what's on the plate and yeah. what you're drinking. You're like, I just want to finish the conversation with my mum. Yes. <laughs> and also, if you're like me, you end up feeling like you have to finish every glass of wine. Yeah, right, Because yes. you're like, yeah. oh, well, th- this is a treat. I'm having, yes. a, I'm having a treat yeah. today. Yes. So yeah, I must sure. enjoy all of it. But I remember in Franschhoek, I went for, for a very famous tasting menu a long time ago now. But we had a port halfway through. Okay. And I think once you've had a sweet wine, a viscous, rich yeah. sweet wine, oh, it recalibrates the... your palate. So then yeah. going back to red wine was, it just all felt a bit too... Challenging. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone's trying to be a bit over yeah, the yeah. top. Delicious. That was good. Actually. I like that a lot. Well, can, can I just ask, Andrew, what might you pair that with? I think it would go well with, I mean, the Sunday Times Wine Club, they say garlic chicken. So <laughs> I don't know, it was quite specific. <laughs> you said about Riesling. Oh, but There's I, sort of that... I think it's sort of seafood pasta. Yes. Sort of, yes. Mm. I mean, that Dang. is delicious. And that's creamy. much more... I think the reason, one of the reasons I love it, because I'm sure if I gave that to my husband, Neil, he would go, oh, you're not going to like that because it's like sweetness there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rich. But it's because I've had it cold, that to me is now... I love that wine. I think it's delicious. It's, it's what we call an Enophiles wine or a geeky wine, you know. Yes. All the wine lovers. No, it's really good. This is Wine Times with Susie Ruffle and Will Lyons. And we'll be back with more great wine and conversation before you even get the chance to top up your glass. 
to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way, and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We're ending up in Tuscany. Fabulous. Yeah, with winemaking royalty, uh, the Antonores. Oh, wow. So cracky, look at this. It's a Chianti Classico Reserva. 2019 from the Marchese Antonori. Mm. Now, the Antonori and the Frescobaldis are the, the most powerful wine-producing families in Tuscany. They go, I mean, I think they go back 26, mm. 27 generations. Mm. So you're talking 600 years of history there. Mm. This is from the same estate as Tignello, which is the great super Tuscan mm. they invented in the 70s, I think the 70s. Mm. Um, just as a shorthand, they decided to use Bordeaux, so international grape varieties, mm -hmm. and blend them with the Chianti grape variety, which is Sangiovese, an aging oak. And it took off, especially in North America, and they became known as Super Tuscans. Mm. But if you ask me, hand on heart, what are the handful of wine regions that you're most excited about at the moment? Uh, Chianti Classico. The quality has just, in our lifetime, I mean, I was born in 1976, so that was, what, 46 years ago now. So I wasn't really old enough to have the Chianti in a basket where you went to all the regional Italian restaurants mm. around the UK. And, and Chianti was, was seen as a really sort of pretty much an entry-level wine or a down-at-hill wine. But now, growers like Paolo Di Marchia, Isleonina, they've said, no, no, we won't. Because after the war, it was all sort of sharecropping. Mm. And it was all about volume. Yeah. But then they said, no, 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 we, we, will, we won't sell our wines to the co-op. We will make them uh, on the estate. We'll bottle them on the estate. We'll do single vineyards. We'll take great care. And we'll see if we can, you know, make wine to rival great wine anywhere. Mm. And I think they've achieved that. Are they being pickier by literally being pickier with which... Grapes yeah. they're picking. I mean, is, is that how you get, you know, if you've got a, a good enough bottle, but if you want to make it really something special, is it like I know that we talk about the soil and we talk about the heat and different things like that, but is it literally being pickier yeah. with each grape? I think it's a bit like being a great chef. It's, it's just attention to detail. Mm. Right. And the we, blending process, presumably. Yeah. Slightly, but it was yeah. Xavier Burry who said, who's a great winemaker at Chateau Grand Prix de Coste in Bordeaux. You know, I have to make a thousand different decisions. It's all, they're mm. all quite easy decisions, all quite sort of mm. mundane, but they've all got to be right. Yeah. And it's the accumulation of those thousands. Right. So if you think about picking a grape variety, 
it's all about the level of ripeness. Mm-hmm. So they start growing in March. You start to think about picking them in September, October. Yeah. Now it could be August because of climate yeah. change. And it's that level of ripeness. And also all the viticulture, all the, all the, the sort of green harvesting, the gardening that you've mm. done over the course of that growing season. Do you leave the leaves on to let them get a bit more sun? Do you take the leaves off? Are your clones right? Yeah. You know, are, are you planting the right grape variety for that particular soil? Yeah. And then I think the great, to, to, to talking about uh, selection, the great breakthrough was these optical sorting machines. So you can get your pick as you go in, and, and essentially you're picking all the grapes that you believe are ripe, and you're discarding the rest. You put them on these optical sorting machines, and they're computerized, and they can read, it's a program in, what a ripe grape should look like. And the grapes look a bit like blueberries. Hmm. You know, so the grapes are sort of green and blue. They're not red hmm. and, and white. And it's amazing what they discard. So they look like a, a conveyor belt, a checkout at a supermarket. And then what would they do with the ones they've discarded? Well, Make that's a it. different wine? I was in Napa. I was looking at all the fruit that they discarded. I was like, this is incredible. And the yeah. winemaker was like, yeah, you should tell my accountant that. He can't believe it. Well, that's what I mean. So they, but that must then put the price up. Well, they in Bordeaux, because... they sell it off and it right, becomes okay. declassified. I was going to so, say, So you yeah. see a generic, yeah, yeah. But it means that it's that, it's that sort it's of... It's not the top range. Yeah. Right. But so, then that's another hint thing. So Robin Hudson, who's run the Pig Hotels in Lyman, has always yeah. been a massive wine person. You should get him on here, actually. Yeah, you yeah, really should. Um, and he's always given me that little hint. He said, oh, you know, you, like you say, your Tignanellos, you can. He goes, always buy the sub one from yeah. that grower or that maker. Because sometimes the number two wine or even the number three is equally as good, but doesn't have the big name and therefore the, the big tag. price. And actually, you know, sometimes when I've had wine with Robin, he goes, oh, yeah, but it's from this house. But it, this is the number two and the three. And actually, you think, because they're still making it with the same love mm. and attention to detail and everything. Yeah, it's quite exactly. interesting no, no, to have that sort and of And that's exactly what this is. This is, I suppose, they, it was not yeah. exactly, but it's, it's from the Tignetto estate. Yeah. Oh, Chianti. that so, smells yeah. so great. So we're thinking about... Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's cherries, yeah, violets. But also a nice savoury earthiness to it. Mm. It just screams food, doesn't it? Mm. That's what I love about Sangiovese. It has the acidity. And I mean, it, oh, mm. imagine being in Cafe mm. Murano now. It's thick. Yeah. Do you know, it's, it's, it's really opaque, deep. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And the other thing I think about Italian wines, probably not the big super Tuscans and all the rest of it, but I've always felt that the big wines in Italy are still more slightly cheaper than the big French mm. wines. Mm-hmm. You know, you can... And also, they're, 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 the Italians seem much more... And correct me if I'm wrong, Will, I might have got this. I always feel they, they drink their wines younger. Yes. And they're much more... And they, they drink very well young. You yeah. know, it's their sort of style of how they make wines. And they like that. They're not afraid of tannin. Yes. Which is yeah. the, what the, the, this has. So that sort of dries out the yeah, mouth. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. And it, it le- it's almost like a bitter flavour, but it's a savoury character. Sure. Which is so good when you're matching that with... Mm. You know, the wild boar from the region. Yes, you know, yeah. Oh, I'd like that with a cheese board. <laughs> cheese, yeah. That'd yeah. go well with cheese, actually. Yeah, it would, yeah. I think, no, that is delicious, actually. I love this quote from Alexander McCall Smith. This is him writing about Italy and Tuscany. In Tuscany, you absorb the beauty of the place simply by standing in any of the narrow streets or by standing in the great theatrical main piazza or by simply looking out over the view of the stunning countryside. An ordered landscape of perfect hills, of tended rows of vines, of small red roof farmhouses where farms have lived for centuries. Everything has been here for a long time and seems to have found its place. 
views uninterrupted by the passage of time, unchanged for thousands of years. And that's what it's like when you go to Chianti Classic, mm. you know, sort of mm. the foothills between Florence and Siena. Mm. And you look out on that landscape, and you know it hasn't changed for mm. hundreds of hundreds of years. Is that part of the reason why the wine is so good? Because it's been the same for so long. People can sort of, they, they, they know the land so well. No yes. interference in yeah, a way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I mean, yeah. There are only a few places in the world where you can grow great, great wine. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's to do with, obviously, it's called what we call terroir, the, the, mm -hmm. obviously the climate. But a lot of it is the, is, is the genetic makeup of the soil. Soil, yeah. And especially in places like Burgundy, where you have this thin strip of land, which is about 30 miles long, a mile either side. And then you look at the, the soil structure, you know, get out your textbook and have a look at it. And it's unbelievably complex. Mm -hmm. And then you think about a vine. Well, a vine, if you think about the roots, they go down like a Virginia creeper. 70 foot into the ground and what you want to do is you want to stress your vine so it has to really work hard to pick up the um uh, the water the moisture yeah. yeah as the moisture goes through and somehow we can get into the sort of uh science of it but it that imparts in the wine this sort of complexity and it's those particular sites but that by trial and error over hundreds, hundreds of, of years, years yeah i suppose europe was just lucky because it was it's been making wine for thousands of years. Yeah. In Burgundy, they've been making wine on the same site for a thousand years. Mm. Um, and it was those original farmers that that just knew that this particular grape variety suited this particular plot. Mm. But now, of course, with all the technology, we're learning, we, we are living in the golden age of wine. We've yeah. never made better wine mm. because they're realizing that not only does this particular grape variety go well here, but this particular clone, they're looking at the clones right. of the variety. Um, that goes well. Interesting, when I was in Tuscany in September, they were saying that the vine is adapting to climate change. So because it's a Mediterranean plant, it can deal with the heat. And I don't know whether this is true or not, but it's learning how to deal with these, you know, really hot summers. Yeah. And it can shut down and it can preserve water. And it's, it's instinctive, it's opportunistic. So that's, and they were saying the same in Bordeaux when I was in Bordeaux. So That's interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. So you, obviously you can look at certain grape varieties can handle the heat better. Mm -hmm. But also you forget that plants are a living thing. Sure, yeah. And they're actually, they're, they're adapting. Pretty smart. My, my little grapes outside my front door are not adapting <laughs> at all. <laughs> and how's your wine? Absolutely. They're like, yeah, thanks for this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not going to happen. Wine in Wilkes Street. Anyway. What was your favourite wine oh, of today? The champagne, I've been very fortunate. The Bolly. I've had Bolly, which is delicious. <laughs> so I know that. And I know my Italian. So I think the white for me. Yeah, the That would have been something I would never have, like I said, I wouldn't have mm. gone for. It would. I would have felt it would have been too rich, too slightly sweeter. Not sweet. It's not a sweet wine, but you know what I mean? Yeah, smooth. I know. But it's like, that. yeah, the Jurassic you know, sec. Yeah. Neil was always going, oh, look at it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so that for me, so that was the real surprise. So I will be signing up to yeah. get some if that's that the only could, place I can get that'd it. That'd be yeah. a really interesting wine on your list, I yeah. think, at, at the restaurant. Yeah. Because, yeah, because it's a food, it's food and it's... No, and I like quirky wines because, yeah. you know, I've... You know, I know people who like their wine and what you eat, you know, what do you buy? It's a bottle they've had. So it's quite nice to always buy something a bit different that you think no one's going to have tried. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's got that little thing. I'll be testing Ali on that when I go back to Murano. Great see what she knows. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. I like, I'm going to go for the Bollinger. The Bollinger. Yeah. So good. It's well, then so I, nice. I'll, I'll, I'll just relax with my Chianti here. <laughs> okay, brilliant. 
<laughs> Andrew, thank you so much. Well, for thank you so much. With thank us. you. Happy New thank Year. You. Happy New Year. January and moving forward, and yeah, to great wine. That's it from us. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Wine Times in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club. Produced by Anya Pierce and the series producer is Ben Mitchell. You can follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. Just do this via your favourite podcast app. We'll be back next week with more delicious wine and another great guest. Remember that all of the wines we tasted today are noted in the episode description and you can get your hands on all of them from the Sunday Times Wine Club website. From all of us here at The Georgian, thank you very much for listening and we hope to see you next week for more Wine Times. Wine Times.